We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? It is time for the mailbag. Yes, off-season mailbag. Always fun to jump into these questions. Before we do it, quick reminder, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Also, hit that subscribe button, drop a review, and give us a follow on Instagram at Brooklyn Buzz Pod. But, Jack, what's our first question? Well, we got this question quite a bit, Nick. And I'm going to start with BMG on Twitter. There was Zeke on Twitter who also asked this. Cypher on Twitter asked us about this. Uh, D-Rock asked about this. Let's address the issue that everyone seems to be responding and hyped up about. And that's the rebounding issue, Nick. So the big question is, will the Nets sign a rebounding big? How will they address the rebounding big? To put it into context, I tweeted this out a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago. Last season, the Nets had the second-worst defensive rebounding percentage at 68.9%, and with a sixth-worst team with opponent second-chance points, giving up 14.6 per game. So it's an issue. Will it be addressed? How can it be addressed? How do you think, Nick? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting topic to discuss because I think people just think, you know, let's sign that one center and they're going to change, you know, our rebounding differential. But really, that's not the case. You know, I think schematically with the way the Nets play switching, you know, Clax ends up on perimeter players, guards. He's contesting a ton of shots and he gets pulled away from the rim. And honestly, Clax is not an elite rebounder. You know, he's a solid rebounder for the position, but not a guy that you're going to say is the best rebounder in the league or anything like that. So I think this scheme definitely provides an issue. And then also positionally at other positions, they aren't great rebounders. You know, you look across the board, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, not a good rebounder. Mikel Bridges, not a great rebounder. Cam Johnson, not a great rebounder. Dorian Finney-Smith, not a great rebounder. So I think it's also just like uh, the sum of the parts. You know, they're all not necessarily great. So now all of a sudden you're looking back and you're like, well, if you do switch as much as the Nets do, you need to have another really good rebounder in that front court or, you know, even in the back court. You know, if they had a really good rebounding guard, you know, James Harden back in the day. You know, you look at guys like Russell Westbrook, people have brought up Tyler Hero's rebounding as well. It's just the Nets as a team don't necessarily play a lot of players that are great rebounders. And, you know, it showed up last year. So Jalen Wilson's going to solve all those issues, I think, Nick. <laughs> he he definitely can help you know he can help especially if he's playing you know at the three or the four you know he's a big guy he likes to box out he's very active but 
you know, even if they did sign a, a good backup big, you think about it this way, and it's been brought up by many people is, you know, Clax is playing 30 to 35 minutes. So that center is going to be on the floor for what, you know, 12 minutes and the Nets are going to mix in some small ball here and there as well. So is that really going to solve the problem? Probably not. I think if you were looking at adding one player that could make a difference would be adding another starting level big, you know, either a center that could complement Nick Claxton, you know, obviously I'm not advocating for this, but let's say they traded for Carl Anthony Towns and they were playing a duo like that rebounding would drastically improve or they added, you know, another bigger four, you know, they trade off Dorian Finney Smith and they added a more natural four that had more size and more of a knack for rebounding, you know, that would make a difference. So I don't think adding, you know, one of these free agents would necessarily make a drastic difference. It might help in those minutes, but as you've talked about, Daron Sharp is supposed to be a great rebounder. You know, if this was the case, you know, the Nets would, you know, have that guy already off the bench. So it's definitely a more complex issue than people, you know, I think look at, you know, on the surface. Yeah, Doug and I discussed this on our little crossover episode we did the other week, and I mentioned you know the the scheme itself being you know, emblematic of the issue, and whether the Nets have to have some more variety in yeah. that. Do they throw a bit of zone? Do they throw a little bit of drop? You know, allowing Clax to be more of a drop big, even though it doesn't utilize his defensive skill set the best, but. You know, there's also you know, Christian Wood is out there. That's sort of Carl Anthony Towns sort of light, whether the Nets sign him. You know, there's all these sort of, you know, mini moves that could make an impact. I think Christian Wood would make an impact because I think his talent is there, but there's a reason why he's gone through so many teams over the past four seasons of his career. And it's just not his defense. <laughs> it's it's simply that, yeah. But we also had D Lee on Twitter, Nick, in, in a similar sort of vein, ask about you know, the, the Nets rebounding rate. And he said, it's clear Simmons hates banging with big, but loves bullying smaller players. So why try to make him a small ball five again? That sort of relates to this discussion. I think it's worth talking about. You know, ben Simmons, a lot of people are sort of saying he could be the solution to a lot of these issues, but it's hard to, as I said with you, and as I've said on Twitter, and as I've said with anyone who I've podcasted with or put on some form of platform, I can't project Ben Simmons until yeah. I see him like um, we don't even know if he's playing three on three or five on five yet. He's certainly not the fever. Uh, you know, the Aussies are down here, Giddy and, and Jock Londell, all those guys that are down here, Dyson Daniels and Ben is doing his thing in Miami with Tyler Hero. I don't know, but <laughs> the issue around Ben Simmons and what he can provide with that rebounding, is he a solution, Nick? Uh, he definitely helps the problem, but I think it also creates another issue, you know, playing Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons together. You know, we've talked about that last season, even with the likes of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and other great three-point shooters, you know, that was still an issue at times. So it would be, I think, a way that they could solve the issue in a way if Ben gets back to, you know, 80% and he becomes a really good rebounder like he was in the past, you know, getting a stretch big. You know, that I think is just a crucial thing because also that allows you to play clacks with another front court player as well. Like you alluded to, you know, is it Christian Wood? Is it making a trade for Bobby Portis? Is, you know, it adding somebody, you know, like Kelly Olenek? Who knows? You know, I think that that's probably a way to help the issue because now you have the option of playing, you know, two front court players rather that fit together rather than trying to, you know, force Ben and Clax together when both guys lack, you know, outside shots. And they really would crush the spacing of a team that already doesn't have great spacing and great offense in general. Yeah. the You'd like to think that if you were a bad rebounding team, you'd be a good three-point shooting team, yeah. like, a, like an elite three-point shooting team, like Golden State Warriors, those sort of teams. who Previous versions of the Nets, to be honest. Yeah, as well. You know, you sort of have you know KD playing at the five at, at different points, but KD can rebound when he wants to. But I don't think any of our guys, I think 
Dorian Finney-Smith you sort of alluded to. I think he's an okay rebounder, yeah. but you know, it, it's weird that I'm like clamoring on the days after Torian Prince and wishing that he was on the Lakers and we got him back or, or something like that because I think his rebounding was something that we talked about quite a bit when he was uh, during his Brooklyn Nets tenure. So it is something that needs addressing, whether it's roster-wise, scheme-wise. Like you can only say so much and we've literally heard Sean Mark say in April that you know we want to get some tougher guys, some bigger guys address that sort of issue, but they haven't. They've addressed talent issues and a different sort of roster composition that we've discussed a, a few times. But yeah, the rebounding I think is going to continue to be an issue, Nick, and unless we see some form of changes, you know, repeating the same thing over and over again. If we see that switching style of defense and look, the Nets want to be a defensive dynamo, we're hearing all those sort of things. And yeah, look, that'll be great. But part of defense is rebounding. And I've had this discussion, I think with some people on Twitter and stuff, and they're like, defense isn't part of rebounding. I'm like, that's literally how you end a possession with a defensive yeah. rebound. And the Nets being the second worst defensive rebounding team last season, like you can be the best you know, points per possession uh, on 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 defense but at the same time if you're giving up second chance points that's where it starts to, you're not going to be the best defense i think the nets can be a top 10 defense maybe a little bit higher than that given what they have and, and the athletic tools that they have in the wingspan but wingspan means bugger all if you're not stopping and ending possessions it's as simple as that and Look, Clax is going to have a, a mountain of work for him. Ben Simmons, there's going to be a burden on him. And guys are going to have to improve. And I don't know whether that will come just by, you know, just internal growth and stuff. I think there's going to need to be some changes. I don't know where that's coming from. I wish I had the answer. Yeah, I think it's also an interesting balance of you. We know this team in the half court offense is not necessarily going to be super efficient or successful. They're going to need to get out and run. And that obviously is kind of like a balancing act. You know, do guys run out in the break or is everyone kind of coming back to rebound the basketball? And then if that's the case, you're getting into more half court sets, which really doesn't suit your offense. So I think schematically there has to be a change, maybe a few personnel changes. You know, Darius Baisley could probably help a little bit just given he's an athletic guy, but it also requires like buy-in for from the entire team you know I think at times we've seen the guards last year just not really be interested in rebounding and you just can't have that you know like you mentioned you need to finish the possession and hopefully they can add one or two pieces and make minor improvements in you know two or three different areas and then go from maybe being arguably one of the worst rebounding teams in the league to just maybe being below average and I think that would be an improvement I don't think we're going to expect the Nets to go from being you know bottom five to top five I think it's more likely for them going you know bottom five to bottom 15 or something like that yeah Nick I'd take bottom 10 to be <laughs> honest I, I I literally would I think that would be a, a marked improvement it'd be an improvement and- and that's that's all you want. Like if the nets are improving there, then the, the net gains provided by you know the other improvements that you're getting from your players defensively, offensively, and the different roster stuff. But you were alluding to guards, Nick. Any final thoughts on the rebounding issue before we get to our next question? Yeah, I mean, I think it's still going to be a, an issue this season to an extent, you know, uh, unless, you know, they drastically change or guys just really look to step up in that area. And I think specifically looking at a lot of the guards just being more active in that. And like you mentioned, you know, getting clacks and more of drop situations. I think that's also a possibility this year. You know, Vaughn will have a full offseason, a full training camp to implement different defenses. And I think given some of their other personnel, that's more acceptable than years in the past. We talked about it with Kyrie and KD, definitely not guys that love to fight over screens, but with more defensive-minded guys and athletic guys with wingspan, it makes more sense to vary up your defense. And that's going to be, you know, probably the greatest strength of this team is defensive players. 
Yeah, so I think if you have the defensive personnel, you can't be rigid with how you do it. And even though switching by nature is a more fluid scheme, I think if you're just switching, and there was times there were great videos and, and analysis of how the net switched last season, I think that's what's going to have to be like it, it's the nature of the switching. Yeah, it's the nature of whatever. Don't scheme do it for free. Or... Like really make them earn the switch if they're going to do it. And last year we just saw them do a lot of just give it up, just give it to the other team. Oh, they want this switch, we'll give it to them. And this year you got to make them fight like this team just has to play harder and play with more energy and effort and honestly i think they will we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, and if you've got Cam Thomas and maybe Tyler Hero, then you're going to have to funnel switches beyond yeah. those guys because they'll be hunting you know, the likes of those two. And, and speaking of Cam Thomas, Nick, that is our next question from Emily Nichols on Twitter. What do you think Cam Thomas's role will be this coming season? Will he ride the bench, get minutes, or be traded? Uh, just a shout-out to the Locked On Nets guys did a really good episode about Cam Thomas as well. Check that one out. But your thoughts, Nick, on Cam Thomas and what could happen for him next season? Yeah, I think it's one of the toughest, you know, questions we received because really it's hard to know. You know, there's been rumblings that Cam's been working really hard, you know, in Brooklyn and trying to, you know, work on other aspects of his game, and I think this is a year for him to make that jump and it's important for the Nets to kind of figure out what they have and he's a guy that they're going to lean into or not. And I think, you know, I don't think he'll end up starting. I think if he does have a significant role, it'll be off the bench and, you know, being the lead scoring guard off the bench. And I think he'll be competing with the likes of you know, Lonnie Walker, you know, that's a guy that they'll play similar, but they also could probably play together. We know the Nets in the past have gone small. So I think Cam, if he does have a role, 
I would say would be off the bench in a somewhat significant role, obviously not playing like 30 minutes, but if he does play, I think it would be something like 15 to 20 and really leading that second unit. But there's also a possibility where he does not play at all and he rides the bench again, but it, it would just wouldn't necessarily make sense to me personally, if they kept cam over the off season and then they decide not to play him, that would just kind of be a bad business decision. Yeah, it'd be derelict in your duty, as I've yeah. said, of Steve Nash, Will Marks, those sort of guys. Because, look, Paddy Mills, Seth Curry are gone. The replacements for them are Dennis Smith Jr. And, and Lonnie Walker. Different players to both of those guys. But Lonnie Walker shares some similarities with Cam Thomas. I think Lonnie Walker's a much better athlete. I think Cam Thomas has similar scoring ability. Probably great. A deeper bag. You know, tunnel, a, a deeper sort of offensive bag. A sort of three-level scorer in terms of his ability in the mid-range, his ability to get to the line. His three-point shooting was pretty good last season, at least the, the stats show. But I'm, I'm still not totally convinced on it. But in terms of his role, Nick, the reason why I'm not as optimistic as you is just because of what we've heard and seen lately, like in the latter points of last season where both of us were sort of like, okay, cool. There's no chance of the Nets like making a, a significant postseason run. The priority should be getting the reps into Clax, getting the reps into Mikhail, getting the reps into to both camps. And we saw one of the camps get yeah. some reps, but we didn't see the Cam T get some reps. And when he did and he put up buckets and the Nets lost, Jacques Vaughn seemed to hold that against him. And it was just like, well, what can Cam do when the Nets are like not losing and he's not having 40 shots? Well, give him that chance to do that. It's why I think some people were out there saying he should have been playing at Summer League. I think that it would have been null and void. I think it's almost a bad situation yep. for a guy like a Cam Thomas. It would hone into his negative tendencies of, of ball hogginess, which he can do at times. But, you know, we've also seen some more complete moments, you know, with his ball handling and his facilitation, you know, there's flashes there, but I just want to see him get those chances because the Nets aren't going to be a significant postseason contender. And there's been rumors around Cam Thomas being available for first and this sort of thing in the past. So it's sort of like what we say about the team overall. What's the direction? What's the direction with Cam? It's, I think, as unknown as what the direction is with the team. You yeah. know, with the team, we're getting little hints and we're, we're seeing the the identity being formed with how the roster is being composed and, and that sort of thing. And what Sean Marks is saying to the media at Summer League, et cetera, et cetera. But Cam Thomas is the biggest question mark. There is so much talent there. But if you put him on, you know, essentially what Jordan Paul's going to be doing in Washington, you're going to see the best of Cam Thomas. And you're going to see him, you know, make mistakes and, you know, allowed to work through those mistakes. But it feels like Cam hasn't had the opportunity to work through his mistakes in his time in Brooklyn. I hope he gets that opportunity this year, but I'm not really optimistic about it. I honestly think, Nick, we're going to see a lot of DMPs for Cam Thomas. Maybe it's me being pessimistic, but I think that Jacques Vaughn in a similar realm, like, trusts these guys. Spencer Dimwoody, he'll give a, an extra long leash to. DSJ was brought in for a certain reason. Lonnie Walker. And yeah, those guys are still pretty young too. They're a couple of years older than, than Cam Thomas and will probably provide more steady play than he does, but Cam just gives you an upside. I think both of us are just so high on Cam Thomas and what he can be given what he's shown us in flashes. You know, there's guys don't put up 40 pieces and are in the same realm as LeBron James and these sort of scorers, Wilt Chamberlain. You know, those are really, really talented guys. Shot making is the hardest thing to do in this league. Cam does it plenty. I don't know whether he's going to get the chance to showcase that, but I want to be proven wrong. Yeah, I think it's really just kind of 
finding a balance for him, you know, understanding, I think the Nets are viewing him more as a role player right now. And he wants to kind of lean into more of that star role. And it's about finding the balance. I think if he does more of the other things, it'll be easier for him to get on the court and that leash will be extended. You know, just because I think defensively there's a need for improvement. And then also I think he could improve his shot diet. You know, he does hit the tough shots, but also facilitating a little bit more. We've seen glimpses of him being, you know, a solid passer. And I think that's where it's going to be. I think there'll be a true, you know, camp competition about, you know, who's going to get that backup, those backup minutes. And he's going to be competing with the likes of, you know, Lonnie Walker, DSJ, and, you know, whoever else they want to throw into the mix. Not to say all their skill sets are the same, but there's also only so many minutes that can go around. Exactly. You know, I think that it'll be intriguing to see what happens and maybe we see glimpses of it in preseason yeah. games. It'll be it'll be one thing that we're certainly watching for. And yeah, it's 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 a fascinating one. You know, I just think that Cam needs to be given the opportunities or just give him opportunities elsewhere. Like if he get taken a couple of seconds back for him, like it's 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 sort of like, you know, Kessel Edwards, like, you know, given the chance to go elsewhere and, and do his thing and you know, Jalen Wilson will probably get more uh, like maybe it's a hot take, but I think Jalen Wilson has probably a greater shot at cracking the rotation consistently than a Cam Thomas. Maybe that's sipping the Jalen Wilson Kool-Aid. I feel like but it's I think a little spicy. Pro- <laughs> uh, but I also think he provides something and a, a level of steadiness that Jug Vaughn and Shaw Mark yeah. seem to like. They like the sort of like low the, uh, the the guys who are low maintenance and yeah. just go out there and do their sort of thing. Well, and we've talked light. about him in the past is that he doesn't need to score to impact the game. And that's a question mark when it does come to Cam Thomas. As much as we love him, you know, his biggest impact on the game is scoring where Jalen Wilson, solid defensively, can rebound the basketball, always kind of makes the right play, kind of does a lot of the things that you want, the Nets want to see Cam do. Yeah, so uh, we'll wait and see. Maybe I'm a, I have been a little bit ill lately, and maybe I've got that foggy <laughs> brain. It's it's going a little bit crazy, but maybe there's other people out there that do agree with me. He had, he had a great summer league, and shout out to him. And you did some great work, you know, analyzing him, making the the summer league, all summer league teams. But Nick, we got we're gonna have to do like two or three parts of this one. I apologize to Giant Taco Salad, our boy Cam with Celtic Slab, UK Nets fans, and plenty of others who responded to your tweet as well. But you know, this is uh, a great chat and we'll get some more in our upcoming episodes. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, love these questions. This is part one. Like you said, we'll probably maybe end up doing three parts, but that's great for the off season kind of deals with some of that lull. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.